Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about the difference between CBT, that's cognitive behavioral therapy, and ERP, the gold standard evidence-based treatment for OCD. And a lot of parents get this confused because they think that they are interchangeable, that we just need a CBT therapist to treat OCD. And we really don't. We need someone who is skilled in ERP, which is a form or a type of CBT. (laughs) I know it's confusing. And that's why I'm going to break it down for you in a simplistic way. But before we get started, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They are available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. You can schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. All right, so this will probably be, I mean, I never know for sure until I start rambling on, but this should probably be a little bit of a shorter episode because there's not much to say. It's just, it's the number one question I get from people who are starting to look for OCD treatment. And sometimes they, they get off on the wrong footing because they're looking for a CBT therapist. And then they wind up going down this rabbit hole of getting the wrong therapist and the therapy makes OCD worse and they don't know why. And I want to save you all that time. Or if you've already kind of gone down that path, I want to help autocorrect that for you. So cognitive behavioral therapy it's a therapeutic approach that, and I'm, you know, I was like, let me look up a definition of CBT. And I was like, no, I'm just going to tell you how it is. From my view, it's working on your thoughts and it's reframing them. It's um, readdressing those cognitive distortions that you have. And then it works on the behavioral component of it. So it might have you change your behavior, change your thoughts, change your behavior. They're interconnected. And so cognitive behavioral therapy, I love because I'm a CBT therapist myself. It's been really helpful. It's um, completely helped me with my social anxiety. I've done it myself. I didn't really have a therapist for it, but it's not rocket science, in my opinion, once you get going. And so it's incredibly effective for anxiety. So when I'll give you examples really quick with myself. So I have social anxiety disorder and it was very paralyzing. And a lot of the anxiety came from my thoughts of everybody's staring at me or everybody's judging me nobody likes me. I don't fit in. And with CBT approaches, I reframe those thoughts. I prefer to not say, oh, everybody does like you or everybody you do fit in because that's not necessarily true. But my reframe of that cognitive distortion is I love myself and I will be okay regardless of whether people judge me or criticize me. Most of the time, much of the time, it's a perception issue and I'm being paranoid and people are not staring at me or judging me, but sometimes they are. And that's okay too, because I don't want to have people who are going to be judgy around me. I don't need their approval. So the reframe with CBT, just to use this as an example, is I'm good. I'm good where I am and I'll be okay even if they judge me. And a lot of times I'll I'll double check and I'll be like, Uh, I think you're being paranoid. It's neither here nor there. 
But then the behavioral component is I'll put myself in situations on purpose to practice those skills. And so instead of avoiding, which is what my anxiety wants to do, I might go to places or do things that I normally would want to avoid because they would trigger my social anxiety. So that's an example. We'll do one more example really quick. And so I have kids who have anxiety and OCD. And the CBT part really does help my kids with anxiety. An ERP therapist will also help with this because most ERP therapists are very skilled at regular CBT as well. And so, you know, that that's kind of nice. But let's take my kids for example. So my son who has lots of OCD issues that I would not use just general CBT for, had a fear when he was little of bad guys breaking in at night. And so his upsetting thought was, you know, what if a bad guy climbs through my window at night? And so I need to like watch my window. I need to put my blankets up to my neck so they can't cut my neck, like all sorts of thoughts like that. And with CBT, we talked about, is that possible? Let's go outside and look at our house. Our house is really tall. You live on the second floor. We have very high vaulted ceilings. So for someone to actually get up to your floor, even a ladder, a regular ladder wouldn't get them to your window. And we even actually got out the ladder and I put it up against the wall outside and I showed him there's too much space still. And then his anxiety, he was younger, but not too young to have this kind of random thought. But he's like, well, someone could get a plunger and they can plunge their way up. And so we got the plunger from the bathroom. And I said, you try to climb a wall with the plunger. And he couldn't. And I said, that's cartoonish. Um, that doesn't happen in real life in that way. Well, somebody could get a really big ladder. If somebody was pulling up a industrial size crane type of ladder to climb up your window, what do you think would happen with the neighbors? <laughs> you know, We live on a very small, quiet street. And so I'm not going to go into reframing thinking. I do talk a lot about that in my How to Teach Kids to Crush Anxiety course. I call it red thoughts and green thoughts, and I talk about reframing those thoughts, and it's really helpful for anxiety. And even though he has OCD, we use that kind of stuff for his anxious thoughts. Sometimes he has social anxiety, we'll reframe his social anxiety. But so that's an example of CBT. And then he did exposures where he would like, you know, maybe not look at his window or he'd put his blanket a little bit further down and not protect his neck, things like that. So Cognitive behavioral therapy is reframing those thoughts, getting you to think in a different way, and then the behavioral component of maybe facing your fears or challenging your behavior, whatever that might be. Okay, that's cognitive behavioral therapy. There are a million cognitive behavioral therapists out there. It is a very common practice. There are good ones. There are bad ones. There are excellent ones. And they treat all sorts of things. They treat depression. They treat anxiety. They treat most mental health conditions. But this is where it gets tricky. I have no idea why people are not well-trained in OCD. And I hope one day that will change. It's like the stepsister of mental health conditions. And I don't know why, because there is strong evidence-based treatments for OCD, which tend to be solidly ERP. Now, there are some ancillary supportive therapeutic approaches that help supplement ERP, one of them being ACT, Acceptance Commitment Therapy. But as of now, research supports that ERP is the first line approach for OCD. The International OCD Foundation supports that, research supports that. That's what it is right now. And unfortunately, there's like not a lot of training on that, which blows my mind. And it's something that parents need to be aware of because it's kind of like, well, this, no, I don't want to make this analogy because it's a bad analogy. 
but it's like a very small specialty. If you had some, well, okay, I'm going to make this analogy, but it's not anything like this. You know, if you had like a really rare cancer, you couldn't just go to any oncologist. You'd have to go to a specialist that that focuses on that particular cancer because they know exactly how to treat that and they're a specialist in that area. Unfortunately, and it shouldn't be this way considering statistically one out of every 200 kids has OCD. I think it's higher and it's just underreported and underdiagnosed because people are not properly trained in OCD. And so the numbers are lower. However, <laughs> let me get off my soapbox and get a little shorter here. You have to know your stuff as a parent. You just have to, because unfortunately you cannot trust that the mental health profession will have your back when it comes to OCD. So you have to find the right people who will have your back, who will make a difference in treatment. So ERP, exposure response prevention, is a type of CBT. So, and we'll talk about how to find a good therapist. I'll I'll touch on that um, after the break. But ERP is exposing your child in small increments to whatever they can handle, the trigger of their OCD, and then getting them to voluntarily not do the compulsion. That's the response prevention. I wish they named it something else because I think that sounds very clinical response prevention. But that RP is getting them to not do the compulsion, whether it's physical or mental or reassurance. Those are all compulsions or avoidance. That's a compulsion. It's getting them to do the opposite of basically what OCD wants. The big, big, big difference is that ERP is not reframing thoughts. So I'm not saying you have an intrusive thought that says that person is contaminated because they're a bad person. And if you touch them, you're going to turn bad, right? Just using some random intrusive thought. I'm not going to have a conversation where I'm going to reframe that thought and say, does that really make sense? I mean, if you touch that person, how can you turn bad? How can you turn into a bad person? I mean, like logically, that doesn't make any sense. And so you should reframe your thought that says, I can't. Like I can touch that person because logically it doesn't make sense that I'll turn into a bad person. That's not going to help with OCD because most people with OCD, and as your kids get older, because sometimes when they're little, they don't have as much insight, they know it's illogical. For example, if you had, I'd like to use this one because I had a client a very long time ago who had intrusive thoughts about bird poop and they're a highly intelligent person and they knew there's no bird poop on the door handles inside their house or in the office. But it didn't matter. OCD says that there can be. And then it has the domino thought process of, and if there is, I can get sick. And if I get sick, you know, blah, blah, blah will happen. It's different for each person. But saying to that person, well, you know, there's no birds in here, that's not going to help. It's going to make them feel stupid because most people with OCD know that their intrusive thoughts can be illogical. They don't have to make sense, but it doesn't, it doesn't reduce the stress that they have when they have those intrusive thoughts. So doing generic CBT, where you're just reframing cognitive distortions, isn't going to help. And so you want to look at ERP, where they're not focusing on reframing those thoughts. They might focus on educating the person about OCD, educating about how those thoughts, you know, arrive, like how OCD works, the mechanisms behind OCD, and then understanding that it's the compulsions, whether physical, mental, or avoidance, reassurance, confessing, whatever it might be, how that continues to grow the OCD. The more compulsions you do, the more intrusive thoughts you have. And so it doesn't mean that there's not a process in working on how you think, 
but the big bulk of the work is doing the exposures and learning how to reduce the compulsions. That is the key. And so, I mean, as a therapist, I do like to do a lot of psychoeducation. So I do a lot of talk around the thoughts. We do a lot of talking about how to dance with those thoughts. There are many choices when I have an intrusive thought. I can recognize it as OCD and let it kind of pass me like a cloud. Um, A lot of acceptance commitment therapy approaches are kind of similar to that. You know, there it is and there it goes. And I don't need to get hooked into it. I'm going to do something that I value. That's an ACT approach. An ACT is a supplement to ERP that can be very, very helpful. However, I'm not going to debate with my thought. I'm not going to argue with my thought. I'm not going to try to prove my thought wrong in the way that you might do with anxiety because that's a mental compulsion. And so that's the problem. I might sarcastically agree with my thought. And so my thought says, oh my gosh, you might throw up. And I might say, yeah, I may or may not. You're right. So I might push back on it. I might have an intrusive thought that says, oh my gosh, you want to harm your family, right? A harm OCD subtype. And I might dance with that thought and say, you're right. I may or may not harm my family. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. I don't know. I might sarcastically agree with the thought but I'm not going to debate or argue or reframe the thought. So there is that difference. And that's an important difference because one will grow OCD and one will not. One will reduce it over time. And so that is the important thing. After the break, I'm going to talk about how regular cognitive behavioral therapy can make OCD worse. And I will talk about how to find an ERP therapist and how it it can impact what you do at home. So stay tuned. That's what's up next. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do, so we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP-trained therapist here. Um, So we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. (laughs) I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but 
it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it, so it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. I definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's in nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Welcome back. Okay, so let's talk about how regular cognitive behavioral therapy can harm or increase OCD symptoms. So if you if you have a CBT therapist and they say they dabble in everything, a little bit of OCD, a little bit of anxiety, depression, blah, blah, blah. OCD is anxiety's bigger, better cousin. I say that often. And it needs, it doesn't need kid gloves. You don't need someone who dabbles in everything. If I had a very specific cancer, going back to my horrible analogy before, I'm not going to want someone who dabbles in a little bit of breast cancer and a little bit of this. I want, I want a specialist who knows exactly how this type of thing works and the best approaches that are evidence-based to tackle it. I want the best. You really can't be an expert in everything. And so having someone who's very narrow practice that focuses on OCD is really important. We're going to talk about how to find that in a second. But if I have a regular therapist who does CBT and a lot of, and this is another thing that you should be aware of, a lot of therapists will not understand that OCD is very different than anxiety. They will say that OCD is just a type of anxiety. Actually, in the DSM right now, that's not true. It's in its own complete category, which I know a lot of people don't like, but I actually do like it because I think that OCD, one, different part of the brain. You know, anxiety is all about the amygdala and OCD is about the basal ganglia and the circuitry in the basal ganglia. Very different parts of the brain. It presents differently. I should do a podcast on the difference between anxiety and OCD. I think I've done that before. But so, I mean, it just physiologically is so different. And then how you approach it is different because. If I approach OCD like anxiety, and if I'm a CBT therapist with not a lot of experience with OCD, I will, I'm going to talk to the OCD. I'm going to try to find where that thought came from, especially if I am in a psychodynamic or trauma-related therapist, I might say, this is all based on trauma. I don't want to get into that today. Trauma can, like any environmental stressor, whether it's trauma, an autoimmune issue, an illness, anything that can cause inflammation a traumatic event in my life. Like those are all environmental stressors that can pop that genetic seed and let it sprout. And so there are lots of triggers when you have OCD. It is highly genetic, but there's also that environmental stressor component. And it doesn't mean that you as a parent are creating stress in your child. It could be really any environmental stressor, including illness and all sorts of other stuff as well. I mean, I I was doing this before I had kids and I knew my kids were genetically predisposed to anxiety and OCD. And so I knew what things to, to not do. I don't think that's the right word. I knew what things to do. I knew what skills to teach them from a very young age and they still developed anxiety and OCD. And so we don't get to control that. Sometimes that genetic seed is just has a timer on it and it's going to get triggered and, and you can't do anything to prevent that. So didn't mean to go on another little bit of a tangent. So if I have a, a therapist who is just talking to my child about CBT, they might be looking for the origin, right? So why do you feel like your hands are gross? Or why does the trash gross you out so much? And it's like, it's physiological. You know, it's hitting that circuitry in my brain and it just makes me feel disgusted. Or my, my brain's just on a loop. 
where I just feel like I might harm someone or I'm a bad person or things are not even or balanced or I'm not clean enough or that's not straight straightened up enough. And it has different themes because I think it's impacting different parts of the brain in the circuitry, but that's just my personal opinion. Everyone's got opinions, but I think we'll know more about OCD and the origins down the road, but that's not the point. The point is that searching for the cause of why the person has OCD is, is not helpful. Now, when someone has anxiety, it is helpful, right? Um, social anxiety it might, one, it's highly genetic, but also it's interesting. Like I have, I was bullied as a child and a lot of times that exacerbates social anxiety or there's some reframing that needs to happen specifically to experiences that I had and, and the stories that I was telling myself, the narrative that goes with those experiences. And so a CBT therapist can get into all that stuff. And that's really helpful for some anxiety themes, depression themes, for sure. Not OCD because OCD is like, Hey, you know what? Go ahead. Let's talk about this <laughs> because you're going to grow me. Another thing that a CBT therapist might do that who is not skilled with OCD or ERP is they might try to problem solve it. And I've seen this happen a lot where they will, you know, they'll say like, can you wear gloves when you're going to the bathroom so you don't have to worry about it? Or can everyone just put their bags in the garage so that you don't have to worry about the contamination coming into the house? They think about things in a practical, pragmatic way, which is great for anxiety. For example, if my son was worried that there's someone in his closet and he didn't have OCD, we might say, go look in the closet once. Now you know there's no one in there. You can go back to bed or you're afraid of the dark. Let's talk about the things that scare you. Oh, it's really dark in there. Maybe we can get a little bit of a light in there and then we can lighten it up. Does that feel better? Or I'm trying to think of some other ones. Like I have a safety anxiety, you know, and I have to drive to California all the time. And so I problem solve that. And I'm like, well, what scares me the most about driving there? So my daughter's in college in California now. For those of you that listen to me all the time, you already know that. And my anxiety pops up about, you know, oh my gosh, what if we break down while we're going? What if this happens? And so I can approach some of those what ifs in a pragmatic way. And so I made sure that I got Honda Link on my minivan. And so I can press a button that is attached to a satellite. And so even if I am in like a dead zone, which is a big part of going from Arizona to to California, it doesn't matter if I don't have any cell reception because I can still get someone to, to help me. Well, that reduced my anxiety a lot. And then I got, you know, this thing that can auto jump my car so I could jump my own car if my battery dies. I got all these things, these contraptions in my car when my husband died because I didn't have anyone to depend on and it made me feel anxious, but I approached it in a pragmatic way. And then it made me feel better. I was like, now my anxiety for, for going to California is really low because I have problem solved and have come up with solutions. It doesn't work like that with OCD. In fact, OCD loves when you problem solve because you're creating more compulsions. And so if I say, oh, did I, did I forget to do that? And I have a fear of, I need to make sure that I did all my homework. And what if like, you know, do are my pencils in my bag and, and OCD wants me to get up and check physically. And I say, you know, instead of having to get up out of my bed and check my backpack four times to make sure it's well four because that's my favorite OCD number then I will actually just write down a list. And so maybe a CBT therapist will say, well, I know if it's upsetting you to get up and check your backpack, why don't you just have a little list next to your bed and you can check the list off? But that's that's pragmatic. That's like solution focused and it's not gonna work for OCD because all you did was move my compulsion from one area 
to a new compulsion. And I'm not saying every CBT therapist would do that, but if they don't have the OCD training, that's that's what I would do if I was just a CBT therapist is and that works really really well for all other mental health issues. It works really well for anxiety, it works really well for depression, having these problem-solving approaches of how to work through these things, finding the origin of these things, reframing your thinking. Those are classic therapy approaches. OCD is an anomaly. It just doesn't work for OCD. Different part of the brain, it just doesn't function in that way. And so if I'm doing that, or if I'm going to process, if you are or aren't a bad person, you have moral OCD, the entire session is going to be taken up doing basically a compulsion together. Because the more you ruminate and weigh the pros and cons of, are you a bad person or are you not? Or are you going to harm someone or are you not? is actually a mental compulsion and you're just doing it with your therapist. So that's not helpful. The other concern is if you have a CBT therapist, they may not recognize some very common OCD subtypes that can be scary, which include harm OCD and moral OCD. And so sexual orientation OCD, there's a lot of OCD. OCD is, um, you know, they call it the doubting disease, but I think sometimes it's not because there is also well, I guess you can wrap around doubt in pretty much anything. Even if you have a disgust theme, you still doubt that you can handle the disgust. But a lot of times there is this fear of, I might harm myself. I might hurt myself. I might kill myself. I might harm other people. I might hurt my loved ones. Or I'm a bad person. I might do bad things. Or I've done bad things. And a CBT therapist who's not trained in OCD might take those at face value. They might process that. Why do you think you're a bad person? What is it in your background that makes you think you're a bad person? Let's talk about the things you did and how they're not bad. All compulsions. Or they might say, oh my gosh, I'm worried that you are, you know, a harm, you know, you're a risk to yourself. You have self-harming behavior or you have um, suicidal ideation or homicidal ideation. And that that can be very scary because it can get you into the psych system and you're misunderstood. And it it actually reconfirms your worst fears that you are the thing that you are fearing the most, which is could be suicidal or homicidal. And they could put you on medications that are not aligned for OCD, but are more aligned for suicidal ideation or um, aggression towards others. That's a very big slippery slope. A lot of times OCD will give you intrusive thoughts that are disgusting or inappropriate or sexually taboo. And a therapist who's not trained in OCD might be like, oh my gosh, like, There's some real concern about them and the safety of other people around them. And again, that validates the core fear, which is I'm not safe or I am a bad person. And I'm just using those themes as an example because those themes are not understood as OCD by people who are not well-trained in OCD. And so when you go to a typical therapist who's amazing at all other mental health issues and they hear something like that, they see it as face value and they treat it as face value, which when it's, you know, those kind of thoughts can, can be treated in um, a way that will be very unproductive for OCD. Okay. So that is the difference. And then you might say, okay, well, well, thank you for all that, Natasha. Now I'm really worried. (laughs) I'm sorry. I honestly, I much rather, if it was my child, I would rather have my child not go to any therapist if I couldn't find an OCD therapist, because a therapist out unless they had other issues. And then I would be very clear because I do want to say both my kids are seeing therapists for other issues that are not OCD related, but I'm very clear that they're not working on OCD. 
like I will work on OCD with my kids. It is part of our family culture at this point. We have a therapeutic home. We work on these things on a daily basis. They have all the skills. They don't need an ongoing OCD therapist. They are they could be OCD therapists themselves, honestly. And my youngest one, she is in the OCD support group in my AT parenting community. And so she gets that that peer support as well. But if you have a child who has dysregulation or they have another comorbid condition and you want them to get help from a therapist who specializes in that, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But you want to make sure that people stay in their lane. All right, don't touch the OCD because I'm going to get an OCD specialist to do that. So finding an ERP therapist can be tricky and finding or knowing how to find a therapist can be really hard in general. And so the first thing I always say to parents is start off with the IOCDF. So the International OCD Foundation has a resource directory and it's iocdf.org slash find dash help. I'll leave a link in the show notes. It's important that you know that those, anyone can get listed in their directory. You just have to join up, be a member, and then you can get in their directory. And so even when you're looking at the directory, you want to look at their expertise. And there are really only a few areas, a few places that you can get trained in OCD, unless you went to a graduate program that happened to train you, which is really rare, but I think it's getting better. The IOCDF has their own training called BTTI. And um, that's a great training. It's very comprehensive. You can take the BTTI training in a weekend or like three or four days and and really be up to snuff because honestly, understanding ARP is not rocket science. It just is counterintuitive. So you have to be taught. And they wind up, they have consultation groups. They have all sorts of stuff. So I would look at the profile and then I'd look at what kind of training do they have. There are other trainings around the country as well, but I just wanted you to know what BTTI means. And if someone doesn't mention ERP, so a lot of times in my AT parenting community, members will talk to me in the forums and they'll say, um, I'm looking for a therapist, you know, in Maine, or, I'm lo- you know, I found this therapist. Can you tell me if you think that they seem qualified? And I'll go onto that therapist webpage. And what I'm looking for is how focused are they on OCD? So if they're like, I work with, you know, the elderly and dementia and ADHD and anxiety and depression and couples therapy and attachment issues and trauma and EMDR. And like, they literally have an alphabet list of everything that that's a huge red flag for me because I can't be an expert in dementia and depression and DBT and EMDR and toddlers and teen, you know, how are you going to keep up with all that? <laughs> you know, So that would be a first concern. And if they say, if, they, if OCD is listed in that, I don't write it off at first because, you know, maybe they're just, you know, magical. They have all that expertise, but then I want to look at their modalities. What are their therapeutic approaches? And so if they are, a, I love CBT. And so if it, even if it was anxiety, I'd want CBT, but if it's other things for, for anxiety, it's not going to make or break, you know? That's the beauty of anxiety is, you know, you can get a lot of positive results in a lot of different therapeutic approaches. All of them probably offer something good. But when it's OCD, I'm looking for ERP. That if I haven't done ERP, now if you are having trouble and you've already tried ERP, you might try some of those ancillary approaches that are popping up. But if this is my first rodeo, I'm looking for ERP. And so if I'm not seeing the words ERP, I'm getting concerned. And so for me, that's just a deal breaker. Like if you are an OCD therapist, you're listing ERP. And if you're not listing ERP, then I would be concerned. Now there are other approaches out there. 
There's ICBT, which is just popping up over the last, I don't know, however long. That's becoming more and more popular. I don't personally recommend that for kids or teens. I don't think research has supported it for kids or teens at this point. And no matter what, I would try ERP first. And I'm not going to go into ICBT, but it's inference-based cognitive behavioral therapy. And so it's still attacking kind of how you infer those intrusive thoughts. So it is, it is definitely more focused on the cognitive. But again, I would not try that for kids and teens. And it wouldn't be the first approach that I would try for anyone with OCD right out of the gate. Now, if you're having a lot of trouble with ERP, it's not working and you have an adult, you know, I think it can be very helpful. So if I was looking at someone who is listing some other approaches, it tells me they're at least experienced with OCD, you know, and they're, they're in that world. They, I would want them to be a member of IOCDF because if they're not a member of IOCDF, they're not really part of the OCD community and getting updated research on all of that. Having said that, I know it can be very, very hard to find an ERP therapist that works with kids and teens because it's hard enough to find a child therapist in general, but then to find the golden unicorn that is a child or teen therapist and they work and they do ERP, it just feels like sometimes impossible. It is getting better because there's more and more people um, who are wanting to dive into. There's also NoCD who has sponsored this episode, but I picked this topic not because of them. And they always sponsor these episodes. They, they sponsor the podcast, but NoCD, the reason why I allow them to sponsor the podcast, because I'm very picky about who I talk about is because they also are their ERP therapists. And they've kind of been a game changer in the community as well, because they're going and they are finding those therapists. They are also training therapists and they are flooding the the mental health field with well-trained OCD therapists. And so that has been a huge deal and they do it virtual. So you can go to um, treatmyocd.com, which is NoCD's website. And you can see if they are in your city, state, or country, they do it globally. And it's nice because they're going to do ERP therapy. So that's a nice shortcut. And you can see if they are in your city, state, or country. But finding an ERP therapist is really important. So the last thing I want to mention before we wrap this up is how it can impact what you do at home. So if you are seeing a a CBT therapist without ERP or OCD experience, they might be teaching you how to reframe your child's thoughts at home. They might not be understanding or identifying the accommodations that you're doing that are growing your child's OCD. You know, OCD is not in its little bubble. It is a family affair. And that is why an OCD therapist does need to involve you on some level um, because it will hook you in as a mom or a dad or a family member and it will have you do compulsions. You're part of the compulsive process a lot of the time, not always, but there's always some component that the family plays. A lot of times the child's asking for reassurance or getting you to say things in a certain way or they're confessing to you or you are providing a a ridiculous amount of soap, or you're doing a ridiculous amount of laundry, or there are family rules in the house that accommodate the OCD. Don't sit there. Don't touch that. Don't say this, do that, that we wind up becoming kind of hijacked by OCD. And an OCD therapist will recognize that ideally. There are bad OCD therapists out there too, but they're really amazing ones. You know, therapists in general are humans. And so there are, there are People who are very skilled and there's people who aren't very skilled. And so just remember that even your doctors, like your medical doctors, right? 
your attorneys. Like there's people who are good at their jobs and there's people who aren't. And we have to do our own due diligence and shop around and make sure that we're finding the best people because when it comes to OCD, they can actually make it worse. With a lot of other problems, I feel like they can't really make it worse per se, unless like they're just really bad. But with OCD, it doesn't take much to make it worse. And so they can they can instruct you to do things at home or not instruct you to do things that they need to be instructing you to because families have to do their own work. So when I work with families um, in the past, I would have the child write down all their compulsions that they're doing that grow their OCD. And I'd have the family write down all their accommodations that they're doing to grow the OCD. And we would tackle them. We would tackle both of them as we were progressing. And that's really important. So I hope that you found this helpful. I hope that that clears up things. A lot of state-funded and country-funded mental health are behind the times. And so a lot of people in my community who are living in the UK and Canada, Australia, and they're getting government-run healthcare or mental health care. And unfortunately, I feel like they're getting better, but more often than not, much more often than not, the free help that they're getting is just not filling the gap. Um, they don't understand OCD. They don't want to label it or they don't want me- they don't want medication. And sometimes when OCD is that acute, you need medication to start ERP. And so there's a lot of a lack of education. They've never heard of ERP. And so it can be confusing because you could be like, you know, but they're telling me one thing and then the OCD world is telling me another, which one is it? And unfortunately, the o- you have to trust the OCD world, you know, because go to the IOCDF website and, you know, they have great information on there on um, how to navigate that. The other thing I would say is if you are not able to find an OCD therapist, this is a big part of what I do is I, you know, provide these podcasts every week for you so that you become more knowledgeable than maybe the average, you know, mental health professional when it comes to OCD. And I make um, YouTube videos every week for your kids and teens and young adults on OCD and anxiety so that they can learn directly. And I've gone further and I've created online courses that fill in the gaps or supplement therapy. And there's a lot of families, unfortunately, who just can't find an OCD therapist. And it's it's a choice of between doing nothing and taking an OCD course. And so a lot of times once they actually do find an OCD therapist, the OCD therapist is like, how do you know all this stuff? Like you're ahead of the game. We can just start moving into exposures. And it's because they took a course. And that's because it's not rocket science. Like I said, it's just counterintuitive. And so I make, I made courses that basically is everything that I do in my practice. And it's not therapy. It's online psychoeducation. There's my disclaimer, but it is skill. It's skill-based. So even when I had families come into my private practice, I spent most of the time teaching them at the beginning and then it would be skill-based, like go home, practice this, come back. Like I'm your trainer, like I'm an OCD trainer. And so it wasn't very hard to take all that and then translate that into videos, small bite-sized videos and worksheets that parents and kids could do at home. In fact, before I closed my practice after my husband died, I would often have new families take my course as their homework assignment because it was like under three hours. And then we would jump like five sessions past where I normally would have to meet with them. So it would save them time and money because everything I taught in the course was like all the foundational stuff. And so it saved like five sessions that we would have had to wait killing time to catch them up to that speed. Now, recently, I mean, I've been getting emails actually for years for people 
wanting me to do a direct course for kids and teens. And I didn't have one for a long time. I don't know why. I think I was just tired. (laughs) But this past year, I was like, you know what? I'm going to create a course that is everything I would teach a kid in my practice. And this would have been amazing. I did it after I closed my practice. It would have been amazing to have when I opened my practice or when I had a practice because it would have saved like another five sessions. So I would have been like 10 sessions ahead and we would have just been moving into maintenance phase. It would have been awesome. But I got 12 kids from the AT Parenting Community membership who also, um, who have OCD and wanted to help me build this course out. And so, and actually my daughter's included in that. And we created a course that is just walks you through the very the first step all the way to the end step of how to do ERP. So the parent course, how to teach kids to crush OCD and the kid course teach ERP in different ways. So I'm teaching it directly to the child. And in my parent course, I'm teaching you like the parental aspect of it, what you need to do and how to teach it to your child. And they're both really powerful. I actually think the kid course is really powerful because it's directly empowering the child to do it themselves. But a lot of parents get both of them just so they know their role, what a parent should do, how to pull back accommodations. And then speaking to the child directly is really gold. And that is another option as far as, you know, finding that space or that gap, fill it in. Don't just sit there and not do anything because the longer OCD has to create those neural pathways and really solidify in in your child's brain, the harder it is to undo all that. It's not impossible. I mean, there's always hope for anybody with OCD, but the earlier, the better, and the more proactive you are. And so waiting to me with my kids, is not an option. It's like, I want to get them help right away. So you can learn more about the classes I offer at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. But I would say, look for that ERP therapist, go to the IOCDF, go to NoCD, um, check out my courses, read a book. But the key is looking for ERP, right? So now the mystery is over and you'll know the difference between CBT and ERP and you will know what to ask to make sure that you have that when you're looking for a provider. So I hope that you find, um, I was gonna say, I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do, but I'm not done yet. I hope you enjoy my podcast. And if you have time, if you can hit a star and rate it wherever you consume your podcast, if you have a few extra minutes and can leave a review, you know, I greatly appreciate that. And I don't think I have any new ones. I haven't looked. Well, I look at this one website called Chartable and they like, unless you have a premium account, they don't tell you. (laughs) They're like, we will only tell you this small window of reviews. And I can look at iTunes, but it's not always accurate. So I'm sorry if you left me a review and I didn't see it. But if you leave me a review, maybe I'll be reading yours next time. Don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll be back again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.